Once again, here's Ryan. All right, yes, sir. Welcome back. Live in the Prop Swap Studios. And we know what time it is, baby. Game time. Johnny Mac time. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. And we don't have an Eagles game to recap, John. Maybe it's a good thing. We can stay loose and have some fun. So how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, I'm doing well. It was good. And, yeah, I mean, it's a positive because, as usual, when the Eagles don't play, they, they gain ground. <laughs> I think that's the strategy. Just stay out of it until you call the NFCs for the Eagles because it's looking that way. As long as they don't have to play, they're going to win this thing. Yeah, it's amazing. I saw this stat. Um, the Eagles have a 79% chance to win the NFC East, and the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers have a 72% chance to win the AFC North. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yep, and uh, obviously it has to do with Pittsburgh has to deal with Baltimore, uh, which is a very good team, and the Eagles. Uh, you know, uh, what happened is you you wanted to root the New York Giants, if you were a Philadelphia fan this week, and um, they got it done against Washington, and also Kyle Allen got hurt, and he's out for the season. So, uh, I mean, if you wanted to kind of spin things in a way for Washington, that kind of ended, and and Dallas played, I think, better than anybody expected against Pittsburgh, and, and you have to get Derek Gilbert, uh, a lot of credit. I think, you know, the Eagles probably would have had a much tougher time if he were the quarterback uh, when they were here. But um, it, it's just such a bad division. It's historically bad. It's It doesn't even do it justice to, to say historically bad. This is the worst division in the history since uh, they went to the current format. I think it's fair to say that uh it's funny you said that i said that to a couple of my friends uh when we were watching yesterday we were six feet apart but um you know i I said dude if he's playing against the eagles i think the eagles could lose might have lost that game but nonetheless that's what a coulda ifs ends and buts um john let me ask you this this is just kind of off the cuff here do you think the NFL needs to look into readjusting their format, whether it be similar to the NBA, like top eight teams in the NFC and AFC, uh, where the divisions don't really matter, but they're there? Um, like, is there any uh, solution from your standpoint to a team getting in like they are this year? Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's interesting you say that because the contingency plan, if they have to go to that, and um, in other words, they they have this if they don't play all um, each game for every team, and they have to go in a different direction because of COVID, and they have to use winning percentages. They're actually going to expand the playoffs. They're going to vote on this, so it's not official, but. Uh, the talk is they're going to expand the players by another team, so there would be eight teams in each conference, 16 total uh, by winning percentage, and uh, they would reseed at that point. So if that were to happen, uh, for instance, the Eagles wouldn't have a home playoff game, uh, even though they're probably going to win the NFC East. 
I, I and, and you know, if everything goes according to plan, they get all the games in, and we just have uh, the traditional playoff setup, which is expanded anyway for this year to seven teams in each conference. Uh, they're going to get a home playoff game, and look, I, I mean, I get why people say it isn't fair, uh, but I, I don't have a problem with it. Typically. Uh, these types of things don't happen terribly often. Uh, they've happened a few times in the past, seven and nine teams uh, winning divisions. And, yeah, I, I mean, it's tough to see a, a 12 and 14 go to a seven and nine team. But if you're that much better, you should win that game anyway. Um, and, and I think people are, are scared of coming to Philadelphia in January because of a number of reasons. Typically, and that's the fans, uh, but that is not going to be much of an issue this year. And also the weather, uh, which could be a problem at, at that time of the year. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't like changing tradition um, and division winner. I mean, you talk to every coach in this league, and I mean every coach, and goal number one is, is to win your division. Uh, so it's meaningful for each little fiefdom, uh, and it's still meaningful even in a bad year for the teams in the NFC East and everybody else in every other division. Yeah, it's um, I, I get it, I get it, but you know, and this only comes about well lately, almost every single year now the past three years with the NFC East. But outside of that, it, <laughs> it, it hasn't been too common. No. Yeah, it hasn't been, and that's why uh, I I can't you know get too upset about it. I get it. In particular, outlier situations, it, it looks bad. But I, I think if you start to receive, um, there's some unintended consequences on the back end as well. Because remember, this league and, and by its nature, um, and the fact that the uh, a 32-team league, and you only play 16 games. So the schedules aren't balanced to begin with. Um, so you're never going to have a, a fair landscape uh, of equity. You just talked about the Steelers and, and being in the division they're in. Um, they have a tougher schedule because they have, they have to play tougher teams. And um, you can look at it. Uh, a couple ways, you know, really, really good teams will use that as as metal, so to speak, to build themselves up for a serious Super Bowl run. Um, or, you know, if you're in a bad division and you dominate, even forget about the Eagles, say you dominate a, a bad division and you end up 12-4 and four because everybody else stinks in your division, well, then you're not as good as you look on paper by that record, you tend to get exposed in the playoffs anyway. So uh, I think the nature of the league kind of takes care of that, and that's why they put importance on winning divisions. Monday Zoom was today, and uh, I know a lot of players spoke virtually. Um, If you want to update us on that, anything worthy to discuss between us right now? Well, I think the biggest news today was the Eagles started the practice window on Isaac Sayamalo, so that is another uh, injured player uh, on the verge of coming back. 
uh, and Isaac has been out since week two uh, with uh, what is reportedly a sprained MCL, not official, but that was the word we got. And if you look at it, he's been out about two months, and that's typically what it takes to rehab that type of injury. So if you can look forward, and, and you know, there's a chance at least, and we'll know more Wednesday when we get to talk to Doug, um, there's at least a chance he could be out there uh, on Sunday against the Giants. And then you start thinking about uh, this offensive line and what an issue it's been and the Eagles have played eight games and have had seven different offensive lines. And now as you get to the second half of the season, uh, it might be if you stay healthy from this point forward, you have Peters, you have Sayamalo, Kelsey, uh, Nate Herbig would move back to right guard, then Lane Johnson hopefully can uh, get healthy. And, and that offensive line, it, it's not as good as it was projected to be at one point with Obviously, Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard, but not bad. And it's a heck of a lot better than it was what it has been through the first half of the season. And I think that's what the Eagles are trying to hold on for, to get that group of five out there. And it's coming sooner rather than later. It might not be this week, but um, probably will be there for Cleveland at, at, in the worst-case scenario. Talking with John McMullen, NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen, Sports Illustrated at SI.com, PhillyVoice.com, uh, and extending the play every Saturday morning right here on AM 1490 in the Prop Swap Studios from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. John, a tragic passing that um, we unfortunately knew was coming uh, due to pancreatic cancer, but the legend, Alex Trebek, host of Jeopardy, and you wrote. An interesting little article here on SI.com and how he, he being Trebek, can tie into defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Yeah, it was strange because it's actually uh, a Peter King talk to uh, Jim uh, over the weekend, and he had put in, in his uh, football Morning in America column that uh, Alex Trebek helped <laughs> Jim Schwartz to be uh, uh, football coach and uh, you know obviously people ran with that so I, I you know to me it would it didn't make a lot of sense so I asked him about it today uh, because he was one of the zoomers uh, and he did you know he kind of recounted when he was uh, an undergrad at Georgetown and he was playing linebacker he and his friends would watch Jeopardy every night and obviously he, he had no idea at the time that he wanted to be a football coach. But now, as he looks back at it, he said it taught him a lot. Alex Trebek and Jeopardy taught him a lot about being a coach and kind of explained it and the fact that, obviously, you know, Jeopardy, uh, for I, I can't imagine anyone out there hasn't seen it at this point, but for those who haven't, it's kind of the smart game show for the smart people and, uh, so first off, you got to be intelligent to be good at the game. But Jim also mentioned you got to do it quickly. You know, we, he and his friends and, and Georgetown, this bunch of smart people, obviously go to Georgetown. So they used to have this competitive game, and 
not only did you have to get it right, but you had to do it quickly, and that's sort of what he transitioned uh, as a defensive coordinator because you might have the right defense, but if you don't do it quickly enough, um, the offense is going to take advantage of you uh, because it's a reactionary position. And then he got into how good Alex was at his job and his preparation and all that that he obviously did. And that is obviously something uh, football coaches take very seriously as far as as prep. So it was just interesting that as he looks back, and he's been a, a coach in this league for a quarter century now, and he remembers uh, being a sophomore and junior at Georgetown and how much of an impact, uh, as what he said, a silly game show had on his career and his life. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, interesting stuff, and it's tragic passing, legend. Uh, I was never very good at Jeopardy when I watched from a distance, and that's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Um, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> Josh McCown, um, we all know that he is now back in action, so to speak. We'll see how much action he actually gets uh, in Houston. But you wrote another article, and, and this is interesting as well, and you've touched on this in the past a lot, but how, how badly the Eagles would like to keep Josh McCown, and now it's bring back Josh McCown. But do you see McCown uh, on the sidelines in the near future for the Philadelphia Eagles in a significant role like OC or even HC one day? Yeah, I, well, I, the Eagles aren't looking for a head coach uh, at this time, so it's hard to project when yeah. Doug Peterson's shelf life uh, would be up. But I, I do think, and look, I, I know it would have created waves. Um, and for people who don't know, the Eagles actually talked to Josh McCown uh, at his exit interview last season after they lost. Uh, to the Seahawks, and everybody remembers Carson um, got the concussion, and Josh had to come in and finish that game, uh, and nearly got the Eagles over the top despite tearing his hamstring in the second quarter. But they talked to him about joining the offensive coaching staff uh, at his exit interview. And from what I, I've been told, it would be more in the typical conventional fashion of um, – just starting out like most people start out in coaching and quality control or maybe assistant position coach. And, hey, I, I said I, I think they should have jumped into the deep end of the pool. Everybody, and I mean everybody, says this guy's going to be a head coach in this league. And so if that's your belief, and that's the Eagles' belief, and they're not the only one, and Houston's another team, um, you know, why why go through all this rigmarole just yeah. because that is conventional? And what I compared it to when I was covering the NBA was Derek Fisher, and I always thought this was interesting because, you know, Derek Fisher played for basically two decades for some of the best teams uh, of his generation as a point guard. And right away, essentially, he got – a job to be the coach of the Knicks. And, you know, people criticized it as he doesn't have any experience. <laughs> I said, well, what is playing 20 years? If right. it's not at the highest level, if it's not experience, 
I, I mean, I looked at it, and, and that's what I kind of said with Josh. I mean, if you compare Josh McCown to, to Press Taylor, for instance, and I'm not trying to criticize Press, but Press is, I think, 32 years old. He, he was a quality control coach in, that, I think, 2015 was his last year. Then he became the assistant quarterback's coach um, in 2016-2017 and, and then continued to move up from there. He's sort of the next in line and really is the de facto offensive coordinator right now, although this is a team that doesn't have an offensive coordinator because Doug is the offensive coordinator. But my point to that is Josh McCown has been playing for – 18 years, essentially two decades, with 12 different organizations now. He's seen every game plan in the book <laughs> from coaches far and wide. In a lot of ways, you can argue he's far more prepared than a lot of these young coaches in, in this league from what he's gone through and what he's experienced. And then you talk about what is coaching at its core, its teaching, its communication. And anybody who's ever met Josh McCown, and this is why everyone says this, guy just is unbelievable dealing with people. Uh, and that's why everybody thinks he's going to be a head coach in this league. So why not jump in the, in, in the pool and say, guess what, Josh, we want you to be offensive coordinator. And remember, it's baked in that Doug is really the offensive coordinator, so he's got that learning curve built in. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to be responsible for play calling. And you have this highly regarded guy in the building. Now, maybe he, 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 you know, when he was offered the coaching position, the entry-level job, he said, no, I want to continue playing. I, I kind of proved something to myself. But also remember the monetary aspect of that. Being a backup quarterback in the NFL, you make a heck of a lot more money than you do um, as an entry-level coach. And, and obviously, Josh has been playing for a long time, is used to a, a certain level of, of monetary compensation. So if you make the decision harder for him, maybe he makes a different decision. The Eagles never got to that spot. Now he's not in the organization any longer. Houston has the inside track. And remember, Houston, they need a coach. And, and that's what Jack Easterby is doing down there right now is kind of figuring out and forging a path. And we know he wants Josh McCown around Deshaun Watson. So who knows how far he goes. So the Eagles no longer have the inside track. I think it's a mistake. I think they should have kept him in this organization and made him the offensive coordinator. I really believe that. I agree with you. Uh, and, and you can read more about uh, the Josh McCown coaching potential. Uh, John wrote a piece on phillyvoice.com, so head over to phillyvoice.com for more of that conversation. John, looking ahead now as we wrap up tonight's segment, and we'll be talking about this all week here on The Fix for your football fix with Johnny Mack, the Giants – and any potential problems that they could uh, that they present 
for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about who's potentially returning on on Sunday. Yeah, well, I, you know, obviously uh, NFC East game, and they tend to be a little bit closer as the Giants were. We just saw them, and you can make a strong argument that if uh, Evan Ingram makes a, a pretty simple catch, um, um, they would have won that game. And then on the back end, even after the drop, if uh, Carson Wentz and, and Boston Scott don't make a spectacular play, um, the Giants probably win that game. So, um they have a little more confidence coming off a win. Um, they do match up well uh, against the Eagles when it comes to their defensive line, which is uh, I think people don't realize how talented it is. Uh, but they're having many issues offensively, and we know it starts with not having Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones and turning over the football, but um, the only way this division is going to be interesting down the stretch is if the Giants figure out a way how to win uh, this football game on Sunday. And obviously, Phil Murphy can't go in a bar at 10 o'clock, guys. Nope. Not going to be fans all year at MetLife Stadium. So forget about the fans. Yeah, no fans, and um, 10 o'clock is COVID's new bedtime. Um, John... <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, who's going to be healthy Sunday? And, and we'll get more into this, like I said, throughout the week and as we get closer to Sunday. Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders, just a couple maybe quick updates slash tease for tomorrow's conversation. Yeah, Miles is supposed to be back, and so is Alshon. Uh, and we'll see. I think Alshon will be uh, uh, eased into the lineup very lightly, maybe certainly will be on a pitch count, maybe 15, 20 snaps, because they don't want to take playing time away from Travis Fulgham. But obviously, Miles is far more important. They need him back in the offense. They need that threat uh, of a running game, and that'll be a big get back. And, And we'll have a better feeling, as I said on Wednesday, what the offensive line is going to look like. I I just knowing Lane Johnson, I imagine he's going to try to give it a go after the bye week. And um, as I said, that 21-day practice window started for Isaac uh, today. Um, so we'll see if the Eagles are cautious or they say he's 100%, he's ready to go. Uh, and if he is, the offensive line starts, if both of those players are, are, are ready to go, the offensive line starts looking from disaster to probably above average, and that's that's pretty good as well. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just laughing at Greg Williams. Luke pointed out he, he has a mask on, and he's still covering his face uh, with the play-calling sheet, but whatever. Um, the Patriots look like they just scored to make this game 27-26. What are your thoughts on this Patriots team, John? Uh, yeah, they're not very good. Uh, I, I, you know, and I get a kick out of people who think Bill Belichick is, you know, playing, forget 3D chess, what's next, 4D, 5D, trying to keep Trevor Lawrence away from the Jets. Yeah, that's what I just tweeted uh, out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, first of all, football, you shouldn't tank ever, even the New York no, Jets. No. I mean, 
if you're that bad, you'll 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 get in position. And and by the way, there's probably four quarterbacks that are going to go in the top five, certainly the top ten uh, this year. So way too early to talk about that. And um, you know, Trevor Lawrence might not even come out also. So and football's not like basketball. You shouldn't be tanking. You got to get yeah. better uh, incrementally. And one player can't turn around, even that one player is a quarterback. We'll see. Uh, this game has certainly been ugly. Um, they, these teams should just move over to the NFC East, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the rest of this game. Uh, all right, John, I appreciate it, man. Welcome back from the weekend, and and we'll catch up more uh, tomorrow night, ten thirty, for your football fix. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. Thanks, John. All right, thanks, Ryan. Yep. There he is, Johnny Mac, phillyvoice.com, Sports Illustrated at si.com, and extending the play every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. The Patriots trying to punch this one in, down 27 to 20 with about two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter if you want to make a live bet. Patriots minus one. Okay. All right. I'll pass. I'll stay. Um, Got to take a break. Hour down. Plenty more to get into. Luke is hanging with me. And we'll get into the futures market. What's hot, what's not on PropSwap. And uh, have some fun with you. So taking a quick break, getting to the top of the hour. Stay with us on The Fix, live in the PropSwap studios, AM 1490, Sports Betting Radio. talk about a guy who's been taken care of now he's not making sam bradford money sam bradford's like a walking hedge fund i look up to him he was the last first rounder to get that ridiculous money before they put a cap on it yeah and he made every single penny of every contract that he signed i know we're tearing statues down around the country they should build one to sam bradford the middle with aton shander barrett brooks and harry mays weekdays from 11 a.m to 1 p.m eastern Malamut and Associates is South Jersey's endorsed and preferred personal injury and workers' compensation firm, specializing in finding success during your greatest time of need. Managing partner Adam Malamut's history in South Jersey is heralded with recognition and awards, yet his approach to law is rather simple, to serve each and every client until justice has been served. Get connected with Adam at MalamutLaw.com and let the power of Malamut and Associates represent you when it matters most. You're hearing AM1490 Sports Betting Radio. Listen online at 1490sportsbettingradio.com. 